Hi, my name is Joseph Byers, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit about Graymore. Graymore is a podcast that I made up uh, based on a job that I did as a security guard, and I decided that I was going to take those different stories and concepts and turn them into the podcast, and this is the second episode of that. I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, the first is that I am so sorry for the first episode with the music being off and the mixing being a little weird. Uh, it was my first time, and it was definitely a uh, different process. So if by general consensus people want to uh, have a re-release of the episode, I can totally do that. I can arrange that. And the second thing was is that uh, I also have to apologize for the delay in the release of the second episode based on the fact that I've been on vacation and doing other various things. So, as always, if you like the podcast, you can uh, like us on Facebook at Graymore Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at GraymoreCast. Again, apologies for not posting more. It's just been a crazy past couple of weeks. That being said, uh, today is the day, and here is the second episode. So I hope you enjoy uh, Graymore Serial 1, episode number 2, the looming hour. Sunlight hit my flesh. I winced to it. I heard faint noises. Chatter of some sort. My head was swimming in foggy, even tense. I panicked in that moment and snapped too, looking over my legs, tingling, the voices, everywhere. I screamed and hit my head against the wall. My eyes flooded with light to the point of a migraine. Tom was standing over me, along with everyone else from my department. The squad was beginning their final stages of assessment. I recognized the first responder training I had at the beginning of my tenure. But, as always, I'm dispensable, and they're always accepting admissions at Graymore. I noticed she sank away and out of the door. The girl from the moon's loft. Her name escaped me at the moment. Tom exhaled through his nose. It was almost like a parent who knew that their kid had done something really bad. I wish you would have just told us what you were feeling. You weren't feeling well, Resin. You, you scared the hell out of us. Sir, I began. Go home and get some sleep. We'll, we'll talk tonight. Home? My, my arm. The EMS team touched my arm, and I winced hard as the pain radiated to my shoulder. I don't know how this happened, buddy, said the EMS worker. Did you see any animals? I don't remember any animals, I started. Probably hit your head really hard, too. We found the door wide open, and your arm was bleeding to hell. Something ripped into your arm, my dude. I gagged a little, but kept my composure as I stood up. Well, Tom, I'm a... Uh, I'm going to do my best to head home and sleep. You do that, man. Tom, Karen, Megan, and the EMS team all watched me as I would fall and hit my head. I was a little unsteady but held my stance as I got into the safety vehicle. Tom drove carefully to avoid bumping my arm into the seat and window. I took a deep breath to steady my nerves. Megan glanced over in the back seat and noticed my nostrils flaring rapidly. 
I could feel my eyes moving back and forth as I recalled slowly what happened. Megan turned to me and mumbled under Tom and Karen. Dude, what the hell? You were gone for four hours. We were searching every damn building on this campus for you. You gotta watch out for the Graymore Howler. The newspaper tomorrow's just gonna rip you apart. I stayed very quiet. She sighed then and patted my uninjured arm. At least you're safe, thank God. Safe was the wrong word. I rose in my bed alone at 1,500 hours. My wife was gone. She had been at work. She was about to come home, actually. No, damn it. She's going to see her friend Pam tonight. No contact with her for the next couple of days, sadly. I wouldn't be able to hold her until this Sunday. I closed my eyes and let my dome hit the pillow in exhaustion. Shit. I thought, another lonely weekend. I grabbed my tape recorder and recorded the night's events, choking the words out in a hurry. When I got to the part about the hollow eye demons, I, I just couldn't handle it. Hollow, deep, set, pinpoint eyes and lifeless and tall white faces and smooth mouths and, until they bite. Calm down. Why did this thing want my arm? What stopped it? What prevented them from finishing me off if they wanted me dead already? And that badly. I shut off the tape recorder and descended from bed. The shower didn't faze me much. It felt like someone took the coarsest sandpaper and wiped my eyes. I I couldn't shake it. Dry eyes are the devil, and wrapping myself in a towel, I walked bare-chested into the hallway. The little light in the kitchen illuminated me. I looked down, dissatisfied at my newly formed dad bod following my third shift job. God, I need to hit the gym more, I thought to myself. Amy would agree with a laugh if she were there. She didn't mind my looks, and I didn't mind hers either. That's how we work so well as a squad and a couple. The rain hit our apartment roof like thousands of drumming fingers in a bookless library. The echo, it just hit my soul and held so tightly. You're coming home soon, the drumming said. Come home, resin. I didn't want to go. Tom looked at me with the same parental care as I sat down. The lines around his eyes looked really weary. The crew cut and the full beard made me want to leave the office and just go hide up north. We have to keep you up north for the night. But first, what the hell happened? Yesterday, I went over what I rehearsed till I fell asleep that night. I went into Nightshade Hall and tripped around the time of time check. When I hit the floor... There was a feral wolf that went for my arm. Following that, I passed out from the blood and the head injury. Tom looked at my expression to see if I was lying. And there was a long, uncomfortable silence. Go on, then. The North needs you. I bolted. Even then, it was not something that I wanted to happen. And... First off, being in that office was terrifying enough as it is. Second, I didn't want Tom to be on alert of my activities or blow Thorn and Locklear's cover.
The wind was sweeping in the north again. The rain, well, it was picking up worse than it did at home. I hope she's all right driving in this, I thought to myself. Then again, Amy's super reliable upon her instincts and driving skills. I wrapped my raincoat with the Graymore G around my burly frame and continued my pursuit north. Tonight's night I'm going to get in there and figure out what the hell is going on. Following my usual lockup of the buildings and my rounds through the Oakhart Hall and the Willow Apartments, I headed back to Nightshade Hall. Just then, over the loudspeakers through the campus came the familiar voice of our favorite radio host, Dylan Derringer. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, one and all. This is your favorite radio personality, Dylan Derringer, atop of the Graymore Tower, and here on the radio broadcast of WGSO, your Graymore go-getter. Today, the cafeteria served a very fine and fresh serving of haggis. It was quite the treat, considering I'm more of a tripe fan, but uh, what can I say, I have a little bit of a bottomless stomach. And to go off of that, uh, talking to some of the students uh, that were in the dining hall, there were things that seemed to catch their eye about the haggis. Someone claimed they squirmed. Others claimed that it was too salty. Whatever it seemed to be, there was something about that that just really hit them hard in the stomach. For example, Lydia Gingrich said that it was very disgusting, couldn't handle it at all, had a weird flavor, I just couldn't deal with it. Others like Timmy Thompson said, It was very brutal, I did not like it, it tasted like crap. I would rather eat salt paper than have to deal with this. And what can you say, Graymore, our cafeteria is a little hit and miss. The weather forecast tonight is going to be a very debauched blue with a slight hint of a moon that may be full, may be waning, I can't tell. The clouds are so terrible here, and the pine trees block most of it out. But as you know, the pine trees grow as tall as the Graymore Tower. It's kind of my forte. In other news, we have, uh, well, an interesting story to tell you. There was a security guard here at Graymore that was attacked by an animal? We're not too sure. Our field reports have found that this one resin Kirkbride is fairly new to the campus. He's been here about six months, and in that time there seems to be a little bit of growing that needs to happen. A more seasoned one, like the great likes of Tom and Karen, are very good and calm in the situation, but it appears that young resin Kirkbride uh, passed out. Highly unfortunate for him, Pretty good for us. A good story for the likes and tell. EMS personnel responded to Mr. Kirkbride, and he had his arm looked at because it was highly brutally bold. In other words, there's a performance in the music hall this evening. Oh, tomorrow? To uh, it's confusing. It's very late in the evening. Should be this next day after this cast is put out. The production that the musical team is putting on seems to be selections from the number one smash musical hit, The Sound of Money. 
It's a banking musical. It seems to be very uh, municipal. I haven't heard it myself, but I'm here to say that our live and on-the-ground team is going to be recording it for your displeasure, a uh, pleasure. And in other news, it is starting to get around that time of year, the time for finals to happen. And I pray for you students that you take it with a full, full hardiness and you go forth. Midterms, actually, not finals. Sorry, I misread my paper. It's a little dark in this tower. And with that, there's one thing I have to say, Graymore. It's that we are always accepting admissions here at Graymore. So good night, wherever you may sleep. Hopefully nothing seems to disturb you in your night and nothing drags you from your bed. I'm Dylan Derringer here at WGSO, and thanks for tuning in. Good night, Graymore. Dylan's broadcasts always gave me the creeps. I went up to the place where I was dragged into and found that the tremble came back to my hand. This is the third time I put myself into this situation. I kept shaking my head and telling myself no, but then again, as I was advancing towards the door, I noticed that I was careful to monitor my breathing. I was at the door again with my hand on the latch, and it was still unlocked. I kept my breathing slow and soft as I began to push at the door, started to creak slightly, and then... Unit 13. The door slammed shut behind me as I jumped away, releasing my grip and the handle with it, and the sound seemed to echo into the building. Go ahead, I said, disgruntled. I got a call that the Willows need an officer. Apparently there's an unregistered party at number three. Copy, I said, en route. I was getting annoyed by that point, that every single time I tried to solve this mystery, I was stopped. I walked away from Nightshade and made my way through the Pines to the Willow Apartments, hoping to God that this wouldn't be what I thought it was. The scenery shifted to a much more looming tone. As I was working my way through the pines, I gathered a little bit more, a little bit more into the darkness. It seemed to be as if something was there. Tall and ominous, the willows held everything to the point of claustrophobia, including every one. They weaved their way throughout the field, the middle portion of the quad kept for the bigger outdoor gatherings and parties. And this one was a banger. A tall figure was squared up in the yard, facing a very slender figure, surrounded on both sides by their compatriots. The slender one had very fine, detailed features, whereas the tall figure just looked really burly. I swear to God, Hugo, you've got to stop messing with our shit, the tall figure said. I assure you, Declan, it was not our intention to harm any one of you. Hugo soothed through his teeth. Hey, y'all, you need to stop this mess, I said. It's that one campo officer, said Hugo, his hiss turned normal again. Boy, am I glad to see you, Resin, Declan said. 
These assholes have been messing with our frat. Hugo inclined his head, looking up at the rain, seeping through the pines and onto the apartment buildings. This can be better discussed somewhere else. We'll settle this in the Hall of Patrons, I said decisively, pondering a little bit. I've been using it for frat clashes ever since the Sigmas fought the Betas last spring. You're quite new to this, then, Hugo started. How can we trust you? We of the Omicrons have never heard of this Campo officer before. Grezin, what a name. Declan growled. Hugo, I said. Uh, I'll let you get a night at the Queen Willow if you just let me hash this out. Hugo turned his head towards me, and I could tell that he was listening. Tom knows the Amis have been eyeing the Queen Willow. You know, for the Blood Moon Party. I know that it can't be let go. The Betas here want it. I gave an eye to Declan. But I know Declan, and I know that he takes his brothers in the highest esteem. Sorry, esteem. And they can throw it elsewhere. The leader of the Omicrons looked my way. Swear it. I did. The tension in the air was high, palpable, nerve-wracking. We shall meet in the Hall of Patrons. We unlocked the Hall of Patrons and proceeded to the Nordic table. Etchings of the college history were carved into the table. Woods splintered in battles long ago kept together the legacy of the oldest American college. I took my place at the head of the table. I bring this meeting of the frats to order, I said calmly, decisively. The Omicrons and the Betas. I need you to hash out the terms in a dispute between yourselves. Betas, since you are the complainants, what faults do you have against the Omicrons? The Betas looked solemnly at the table. Declan, the leader, spoke with a strained, tired voice. Raul is gone. He was taken from his bed last night at 4.15 in the morning. The betas stirred, and a ripple of energy went through the room on the left side of the table. We demand that he be brought back, Declan continued. Omicrons, how do you feel about this charge? What do you have to say? We have not touched Raul Gomez, Hugo said. All the Omicrons were nodding. Prove it, I said. Put your hands on the table, all of you. The table at this point in time glowed. The etchings carved into it began to move around the table in a various vibrant fashion. Slangs, chasings, singings. It was all beginning on the table. I pulled from the back of my mind the words that I had read in the books, the detailed lore of Graymore College. I sighed, channeling my inner spokesman. Wherein my father's fathers built upon the mountain a hidden hamlet. May this table speak the truth of what occurred in the souls abound. I chanted. The table opened what appeared to be a seeing stone, vibrant and opaque, shining and snuffing out the lights. The moon caught the dais in the top of the hall, the rain having cleared up for just a second and shone down upon the scene. The oracle was lit. 
we would get a true glimpse and see what happened. Raul was walking west toward Nightshade House in the dais. Paper in hand, Raul looked to be in a hurry. Arriving and knocking on the door, Raul stood outside the hall, waiting for someone to come to the door. He looked to be very, very anxious. We all were leaning in to see what happens next. Raul jerked his hand back from the knob and screamed. He went to run, but a slender hand, fingered like tendrils, caught his foot and pulled him towards the door. It swung shut behind him, sealing him off. One of the Omicrons gasped and looked in the corner of the glass. Dear gods, he cried. We all looked and saw the same white-faced figure that attacked me last night. Resin. They looked at me. What's going on? The name, my name kept being stopped. Finally, cutting through was Declan. Resin! What the absolute hell is that? I, I need to do some research in the library and archives, I started hurriedly. Just then, my radio blared in my ear. I cringed. Tom was alerting us to something even more dangerous, that it was coming down the line. We need all units, all units, to report south. There has been a student gravely injured. Respond with unit number and copy. I responded with my unit number, and I copied. Y'all, we stepped into some bigger shit. You good? I said, rounding the table. Aye, aye, came the replies from around the room. Meeting adjourned. We have an emergency, and I'm going to find your beta brother. I sprinted down the main road looking for Tom's lights. I couldn't see anything from where I was in the north end. Starting to get winded, I slowed down a bit. Keeping my jog, I finally made it to the crossing gate when Tom buzzed me again. 13, stay on standby up north. I'll call you here in a second. The mist had set in after the rain. Exchanging blows with the light, the little droplets of water were cascading into their contemporary, casting an ominous glow to the boardwalk. Scanning the rest of campus, I caught my silhouette in the window of our office. Illuminations of mist and rain lit up, and my six-foot-five frame was standing in the center of it all. It was like the days of vaudeville, the roaring twenties even. I was the off-centered bellhop, waiting at the front gate while the others joined the party. The electric lamps illuminating the boardwalk rested onto the moon's loft across the street. There was the girl again sitting in the window and studying. Her sorority mate was across the table from her. It seemed to be like the perfect blend of contemporary Rockefeller and the Jazz Age. Almost like a beautiful disaster, waiting to be punctured like a bubble with the scene ending. And there she caught me, standing there, looking out the window. Her vibrant blue eyes suggested that I come into the cafe Sit down. Have a good time. Fighting the urge, I looked away and faced north. My phone buzzed in my cargo pocket. Tom, incoming call. The vibrant light read. I picked up the phone and answered, Tom? Another animal attack. This one is a lot more serious, though. I didn't want to re-traumatize you. What's it look like? I said. Some kind of bear or a large wolf. Oh, I said. 
We're thinking that this is the same thing that happened to you. Except this time, it ripped the arm clean out of the socket. All I could think of to myself was, I was close. I was so close, I thought. Did, did they make it? They're still alive, he said. Be sure to go up and recheck the buildings. We can't wait and keep having these animals inside of them harming students. Happy, I said, as the voice ceased on the other end. It was time to head back north. I went through the wooded path back to Nightshade Hall and pushed my way into the door. The interior looked just about as well as the exterior did. The high stone walls and glass ceilings were covered in moss. The moonlight caught the panes and shone down into the center of the room. Graffiti covered the walls and the smell of rotting plants was present. It was quiet. An ant could be heard scuttling across the floor if one tried hard enough to hear. I took a step and heard the thunderous echo. The computers of today had been abandoned long ago, with a solitary chalkboard being the cleanest thing in the building. Ancient stone stood out as different based on the fact that it seemed to hold a secret, and no one could decode it. I took steps across the hall, concerned. Based on units' time checks at zero one hundred hours, I gave my call sign. I thought to myself, "I've got three hours, three hours to make this happen." And as I cleared the comm check, I proceeded to look around. Thank you for listening to episode two of the first serial of Graymore. It was written and produced by me, Joseph Byers, with music thanks to Apple's amazing app, GarageBand. I used the loops from that to create the music in the show. So in addition to that, uh, follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at the respective places that I told you at the beginning. And additionally, you can find out more about Graymore by inquiring at this email. J-O-S-R-B-Y-E-R-S at gmail.com. And if you want to try out for a voice on Graymore, no problem. Just send an email, shoot us a tweet, maybe even write something up on Facebook. It's all okay. We'll hold an audition for you, and then we'll get started. So good night, and uh, we'll hope to see you soon.